invite you to pray with me. Gracious and holy God, as we turn to scripture um, again this morning, ready to listen uh, to the prayer uh, that exists between you and another of your people um, from our history, Lord. God, we just pray that you would help us uh, open our hearts and our minds to the message that you would have us to hear. Um, that the prayer life of those um, who have gone before us could inspire our own uh, so that we could strengthen our connection uh, to you um, and to one another. It's in your name that we ask these things. Amen. So today we continue to explore prayer as a central form of communication that is a lifeline to our relationships keeping us connected to our God and to one another. Each week we're encountering a prayer made in scripture as we watch the people of biblical times access their lifeline at important moments in their history. Today we turn to the book of Daniel, where the prophet himself, situated in the middle of the Babylonian exile, prays a prayer of confession to God on behalf of the entire nation of Israel. It was after generations of God's people and their rulers failed to follow God's commands that they were conquered by the Babylonian Empire and taken into exile away from the land God had promised them. The goal of the exile for the Babylonians was to cut the Israelite people off from their land, from one another, from their culture, and from the God who was at the heart of it all. Daniel seeks to resist their attempts by holding on to his faith and his God. As we turn to the chapter to chapter 9 in the book of Daniel, we witness him doing just that as he prays his prayer of confession. Let us listen to God's word for us this day. In the first year of Darius's rule, Darius, who was Ahasuerus's son, a Midian by birth, and who ruled the Chaldean kingdom. I, Daniel, pondered the scrolls, specifically the number of years that it would take to complete Jerusalem's desolation, according to the Lord's word to the prophet Jeremiah. It was 70 years. I then turned my face to my Lord God, asking for an answer with prayer and pleading, and with fasting, mourning clothes, and ashes. As I prayed to the Lord my God, I made this confession. Please, my Lord, you are the great and awesome God, the one who keeps the covenant, and truly faithful to all who love him and keep his commands. We have sinned and done wrong. We have brought guilt on ourselves and rebelled, ignoring your commands and your laws. We haven't listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our leaders, our parents, and to all the land's people. Righteousness belongs to you, my Lord, but we are ashamed this day. We, the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, all Israel, whether near or far, in whatever country where you've driven them, because of their unfaithfulness when they broke faith with you, 
Lord, we are ashamed. We, our kings, our leaders, and our parents who sinned against you. Compassion and deep forgiveness belong to my Lord, our God, because we rebelled against him. We didn't listen to the voice of the Lord, our God, by following the teachings he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel broke your instruction and turned away, ignoring your voice. Then the curse that was sworn long ago, the one written in the instruction from Moses, God's servant, swept over us because we sinned against God. God confirmed the words he spoke against us and against our rulers, bringing great trouble on us. What happened in Jerusalem hasn't happened anywhere else in the entire world. All this trouble came upon us exactly as it was written in the instruction of Moses, but we didn't try to reconcile with the Lord our God by turning from our wrongdoing or by finding wisdom in your faithfulness. So the Lord oversaw the great trouble and brought it on us because the Lord our God has been right in every move he's made, but we haven't listened to his voice. But now, my Lord our God, you who brought your people out of Egypt with a strong hand, making a name for yourself even to this day, we have sinned and done the wrong thing. My Lord, please, in line with your many righteous acts, please turn your raging anger from Jerusalem, which is your city, your own holy mountain. Because of our sins and the wrongdoings of our parents, both Jerusalem and your people have become a disgrace to all our neighbors. But now, our God, listen to your servant's prayer and please for help. Shine your face on your ruined sanctuary for your own sake, my Lord. Open your ears, my God, and listen. Open your eyes and look at our devastation. Look at the city called by your name. We pray our prayers for help to you, not because of any righteous acts of ours, but because of your great compassion. My Lord, listen. My Lord, forgive. My Lord, pay attention and act. Don't delay. My God, do all this for your own sake, because your city and your people are called by your name. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. So I'm curious, in this day and age, in this particular city that we find ourselves in, the great city of Kansas City, um, if anybody watched a football game last night. Yeah. In the words of the great Andy Reid, how about them Chiefs? I have to admit that when I, in the midst of the lead up to Wild Card Weekend, thought about the connection between our beloved team and our text today, I was really hoping they would pull out the win. Because I'm a fan. Um, but also because that ending should, would sure make this sermon illustration I'm about to share stronger. Thank goodness in the midst of the Arctic wind chills last night, the Chiefs did not disappoint, defeating the Dolphins decisively with a 26-7 win in the first round of the playoffs. It's been a tough season for the Chiefs, relatively speaking. 
pre-Patrick Mahomes era, we would have all been overjoyed with an 11-6 season resulting in an AFC West Divisional Championship and playoff berth. But we Kansas Cityans have gotten spoiled as of late and had to watch our team struggle this year more than they ever have before in the Mahomes era on the offensive side of the ball. Too many turnovers, drop balls that led to missed opportunities and penalties that took the wind out of their sails time and time again, plagued the Chiefs all season long. Yet after every game, the team's leaders, Coach Andy Reid, quarterback Patrick Mahomes, defensive tackle Chris Jones, tight end Travis Kelsey, and more, never pointed fingers at any one individual, though us fans sure were happy to do that for them. They didn't turn on each other. The only time their leaders did lose their composure in the midst of the frustrations of this season, they turned on the refs, not one another. A defense that was so strong and carried this team through so much of the year, never blamed the offense or accused them of not carrying their weight. After each loss or ugly win, you would hear each coach and player interviewed claim their own part in the mess, take responsibility for what they needed to do to get better. As they spoke of the work the team had before them, to keep becoming the football team they knew they could be. And last night, we caught a glimpse of that team. As the group as a whole looked better than they arguably have all season. There were a few drop balls and a late game turnover, but those could easily be blamed on the negative 27 degree wind chill reality they were playing in. There were also a few unnecessary penalties and some failed attempts to get in the end zone. It wasn't a perfect performance, but the energy and heart they brought to the game and the improvement they have made was stark as the Chiefs lived to play another week. Today, we are taking a deeper look at Daniel's prayer, which is a prayer made on behalf of his nation. I don't know that there is anyone out there that would blame Patrick for the Chiefs' offensive ills this year. He continues to be a consistent, talented, and faithful leader. And the truth is, Daniel is no different if we think of him as the Mahomes equivalent to Team Israel in his own time. Daniel has been so incredibly faithful to God as his story unfolds. And yet here, as he turns to God to pray for his nation's deliverance, he situates himself right in the middle of the mess. He doesn't blame or point fingers from his high horse. He takes his place at the heart of his people and prays a prayer of confession on behalf of them all. Israel was both a political nation state and a religious faith. Unfortunately, when you think about our team culture when it comes to our own nation state or the collective of the Christian faith, toxic might be an apt descriptor of both, at least at times. Rather than view ourselves as a team, a true collective, 
We can be so divided into political camps or denominational enclaves that it is easier to blame our ills on and point fingers at the people we don't agree with, thinking they are the source of all that is wrong. This has been our reality long enough, but I think we can see just how well that mode of operating is working out for us. When Daniel prays his prayer of confession, he prays it for the whole nation, and he situates himself right in the middle of it. You can hear the sincerity of his prayer and his love for his people as he prays. He longs for the deliverance of all of Israel. There is no pointing blame. He shoulders the collective weight of their sin and the consequences it has borne. He takes responsibility for all of it, unafraid to recognize and claim his part in the mess. In the midst of our current culture, we struggle to do this, preferring to point out other people's sin and missteps rather than be honest about our own. As Jesus will tell us generations after Daniel walked the earth, it is easier to pick out a splinter in your neighbor's eye than to see the log in your own. We have something to learn from watching the chiefs navigate this season, as in the midst of challenge and struggle, they continue to put their trust in one another. We have something to learn from Daniel's prayer, as in the face of his nation's sin and the consequences it has brought, he places his trust in the God who is so faithful to his people then and now. Daniel acknowledges the sins of his community, affirms the just punishment that has come as a natural consequences to their actions, but then calls upon God to extend the mercy that is such a part of who God has already been to his people. It is not because of their action, but instead the mercy of God that Daniel knows deliverance will come. He writes, we pray our prayers for help to you, not because of any righteous acts of ours, but because of your great compassion. My Lord, listen. My Lord, forgive. My Lord, pay attention and act. Don't delay. Can you imagine the difference it would make if instead of pointing fingers and placing blame, we collectively cultivated a heart like Daniel's? We acknowledged and confessed our collective mess, well aware of the part we play in it, and then with earnestness and hope, and humility echoed in Daniel's, we, we would echo Daniel's same prayer. We pray our prayers for help to you, not because of any righteous acts of ours, but because of your great compassion. My Lord, listen. My Lord, forgive. My Lord, pay attention and act. Don't delay. Today, we are going to enter a time of prayer for the collective, for our nation, for our collective Christian witness, for all of humankind. 
I will open us in prayer and then we'll invite those of you that are here with us as you're willing to come forward one at a time and take a corporate sin that we have written and placed in this basket and come to the microphone here and read the sin aloud so we can all hear you confess it on behalf of all of us. And then place the sin here at the font uh, where it uh, can be immersed in the symbol of Christ's mercy and grace that exists in the waters that are found here. After each sin is read, I will say, Lord, in your mercy, and invite you to respond. Hear our prayer. As you listen to the different sins that are named, pay attention to which one really catches your attention. That reminds you of the part you play in our collective mess and allow it to help center you right in the middle of all that is wrong so that you can earnestly and humbly plead for forgiveness for you and for all both today and in the days to come um, so as we prepare to enter this time of prayer um, those of you uh, that are here with us again you're invited to come forward you could even come twice because I think there's enough sins in this basket for us to cover a couple of them. Um, and as we prepare uh, to enter this time of reflection and prayer, um, first, let us be reminded um, of the compassion and mercy of our God. Friends, it is in our baptism uh, that we are reminded of God's love for us that is for us from before our beginning. Um, it is in our baptism that we are reminded uh, that just as Jesus uh, went to the tomb, so our old life is drowned out so that our new life might be begin. Um, as we confess our collective sin this day, May we be reminded of the life-giving mercy and compassion of our Lord. So let us pray. Holy Lord, we have sinned, turning from your ways, not listening to the prophets you send to call us back to you. We all play a part in this mess. We are all guilty. Yet some of us suffer the consequence of our collective sin more than most. It is the most vulnerable, Lord, that bear the brunt of our wrongdoing. Help us to confess our collective sin earnestly, humbly, and with hope in your redeeming mercy. Hear the sins we, your people, have committed, O God. 